You're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now let's get down to business. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of The Wrap Podcast. Uh, Glad to be back with you today for episode 65. Today, we're going to be talking to some of our experts in the uh, government contracting space. Uh, Look forward to having uh, their expertise uh, come through on the discussion. Uh, Look forward to what that's going to be. But today, my co-host for this podcast is uh, Jessica Giuliano. Jessica, glad to have you back with us today. To be back, Paul. It's happy to be here. To speak with us, we've got Amber Stout, who's a senior manager. We've got Todd McAdams, who's a member in our Huntsville office, and Jared Sharp. Uh, you guys, we'd love to hear just a little bit about what y'all do, um, your career with the firm, and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, so my name is Amber Stout, and I work in the, with government contractors. We really focus on consulting, keeping them out of trouble with DCAA. That's very important, and just all the all the different accounting and year-end needs that they have. My name is Todd McAdams. I'm a member here in our Huntsville, Alabama office and help lead our government contracts practice group. I've worked with government contractors since 2001, so... Uh, a little over 20 years at this point, uh, mainly in public accounting, but also in industry uh, as a sat on that side of the uh, fence. So understand all the nuances of, um, you know, what our contractors are going through on a daily basis. And as Amber mentioned, help our clients navigate the, the complexities of working with uh, the world's largest or the world's largest customer. So our United States largest customer. There you go. Jared. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. So yeah, I'm Jared Sharp in the Huntsville office. Um member, been with the firm since 2005 and focused my practice in tax, mainly with technology companies, GovCon companies, and spend a lot of time with the R&D tax credit, uh, which we're going to get into here in a little bit. Well, good deal. It's good to have all of y'all uh, with us today. And uh, this series of episodes, we have been talking to some experts within different industries. And obviously, government contracting, the GovCon industry has a lot of unique challenges, uh, opportunities that maybe others aren't facing. So, uh, Todd, do you want to start us off with, you know, what are some of those um, challenges or opportunities that, that this industry faces? Sure. Thanks, Paul. Uh, as I mentioned previously, there's a lot of complexities doing business with the U.S. government. So, um, you know, number one is the compliance requirements that that are inherent to doing business with the government. And that's one of our specializations, as Amber mentioned, helping contractors navigate those, um, make sure they are ready to do business with the government. Uh, I, I would say that's probably one of the number one um you know, items that we get calls about, you know, are we ready to take on this contract to work with the government? Um, you know, is our accounting system ready? Do we have policy and procedures in place? Uh, and those types of things. I would also say, you know, political climate is, you know, always changing, does affect the defense industry. Um, so there's certainly that that um, is a concern on our clients' minds. And then from an opportunity standpoint, you know, they're obviously in the defense industry. Uh, war overall is not good, but 
in the industry that does obviously heighten um, the need for what our customers, clients are, are providing to the warfighters in the world. So um, that's certainly an opportunity. Thank you, Todd. That was a that was a great summary, and we have some particular topics we'd like to just kind of hone in on. Um, you know, I know Jared, you mentioned the R and D. You know, credit. I know R and D one seventy four. Um, you want to kind of give us give us a little insight into how that affects your clients? Yeah, certainly. And and the government contract industry is probably unique in that they have some uh, kind of challenges with the way their contracts are structured and and who's actually on the hook, sort of speak, for the R and D that's being done. And this one seventy four was that that one seventy four references a IRS code section that. Um, has been in the code for a long time, but it uh, ha- it got new life, sort of speak, uh, in 2017, actually, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was introduced under the Trump administration. But it was not to take effect until 2022, and so it didn't get a lot of publicity at the time when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act came about. Uh, this particular code section that, that dealt with the research and development expenses uh, was not highly publicized. It wasn't talked about. It was actually a revenue generator uh, for the tax side. So a lot of the tax cuts and jobs acts were were tax cuts. This was one way they had to balance the budget was to put in some uh, revenue generators there, right, for the tax side. So so this obviously didn't get the headlines because it, it made people pay more in taxes. And so that was not something they talked about back in 2017 when that bill was introduced. But it did take effect in 22. And so here we are, obviously, almost through the year of 23 and um, we're, we're we've gone through one round of filing tax returns with this being the 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 law for 22 and it was very clear uh, that there was not a lot of people that were ready for this um, including I think most practitioners right I mean we run to the assumption most of the time that it was going to be overturned that this bill would not see the light of day that the Congress would act and make this provision go away mm-hmm. that was all the talk you heard in 22. And we got through 22 and came and went, and that didn't happen. Uh, and then even into early 23, we heard, well, it's going to still be overturned. And so people weren't really giving it the attention that I think it needed, even though it had been out there. And, and a law as of 2017 took effect in 22. Um, and so now here we are at, you know, at the end of October, and we're sitting here with a, with a law that's on the books that's still being discussed in Congress and being overturned, but we've got one tax filing dealt with that had to have, to have this in it. And so – Basically, what it is, is that if you have research and development expenses, you're required now to to capitalize those for tax purposes and amortize them over a five-year period if they're U.S.-based or a 15-year period if they're foreign-based. And there's a lot of confusion because we've had the R&D tax credit out there for a long time, and this does kind of piggyback off of the R&D tax credit, but it's not uh, mutually exclusive in that – if I take an R&D tax credit, well, this provision clearly applies. But if I don't take an R&D tax credit, this provision may still apply. Um, so it's uh, it's definitely a game changer for how uh, – because in the past, all these expenses could be deducted. So there were immediate deductions, 100% deductions. Now we're looking at a five-year amortization or a 15-year amortization, and it's a big deal for taxpayers to have to pick up that in, in their essentially reduction of their expenses and amortize those over a period of time versus being able to have immediate deduction. So we're seeing a lot of increased tax bills as a result of that. A lot of people paying more taxes as a result of this provision. And your government contractors are no different. Um, The only nuance there is, and it's still a little bit unclear because we're still waiting on IRS guidance, but um, is is contracts are R&D done under contract. And so does that apply to this provision or not? 
Um, you know, from what we've done in the past on R&D tax credit, it's pretty clear that you can take a take an R&D tax credit related to firm fixed price work that's being done under contract. But if it's T&M or, or cost plus type work, it's it's not allowed for the R&D tax credit. Well, under this 174 provision, it's a little bit unclear. Does that same guidance follow here or not? Um, and so while definitely think it follows to your firm fixed price efforts and your internal R&D efforts, there's still some question on, do I have to pick this up in my 174 cost if I'm doing T&M work or, or cost plus work where I'm not really at risk, so to speak, for the uh, for the financial piece of this, but I'm doing R&D under those contracts and I'm being paid for it. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now, back to the show. Yeah, so on the uh, on the 174 provisions, the, the 22 tax returns, like I said, have come and gone, and, and that was part of those filings. But there was not a lot of guidance from the IRS on how to even treat some of these expenses for this 174 provision. Uh, we have gotten some guidance that they released in September, although it's a notice. It's a notice 2023-63, which is a it, it, a notice is not a regulation. So a notice is kind of the the first thing they're going to they're going to put out there, right? It's not. It's got some detail, but not a lot. And so we've got a little bit of initial guidance from the IRS. We do expect more guidance to come early in 24. That's the latest we saw. So those are probably going to be in the form of regulations, which will be a little bit more formality and a little bit more formal than what they introduced in September. But um, you know, my thoughts are on just seeing what the IRS released in the notice. There's going to be a lot more detail that goes into these calculations than what I think were done in 22, because for 22, it was kind of a reasonable method because there was no guidance, right? So I think for 23 forward, we're going to have a little bit more emphasis on what actual expenses need to be done, how the allocations work for some of the overhead type items that are part of this whole calculation. So I, I do expect there to be a little bit more heavy lifting, sort of speak, in 23 for some of these 174 calculations. And I guess we should note that this was recorded on October 30th of 23. So any changes to uh, anything from a political landscape perspective may change some of the conversation we have today. But just wanted to make that note for the uh, presentation, Jared. Yeah, and that's a good point, Paul, because there is still, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this has been something that we thought Congress was going to overturn even before it saw the light of day in 22. Uh, that has not happened, but there is currently a bill sitting in Congress that was introduced in June that would uh, it wouldn't repeal this completely, but it would push it back to 2025. That has not been voted on, so it's not a it, it still has a ways to go to even become a, an actual law. But they are still pushing this in Congress to get this overturned. So there could be, you know, before the end of the year or or, or even in 24, there might be some political changes to this law that, that, you know, either change the way we're dealing with it or completely do away with it. That's good information. Uh, Todd, I want to go back to something you talked about um, when you, when, at the opener when you said uh, that, you know, the government, people call you and say, are we ready to work with the government? And my very limited financial statement auditor years, um, you know, in dealing with maybe one or two uh, I do remember reporting was always a big issue, how, what they're reporting, how they're reporting um, to to the government. So can you kind of break down why that's unique uh, kind of within this industry that maybe other industries don't see? And, and, and Todd and Amber, I think um, I'd love to hear both of y'all's opinion on that. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, there's, again, many compliance requirements to do business with the government, um, you know, from a reporting standpoint. If you have certain types of contracts annually, you have to submit a an incurred cost submission, which is due six months after your calendar 
year end or fiscal year end. Um, and that's a pretty complex uh, filing that that's required. And we, we help with those, help contractors uh, complete those and file those. But I guess backing up, there's a lot of information you have to capture to populate those types of um, you know filing requirements. So that's where the accounting system comes into play to make sure you're tracking costs um, in direct buckets, indirect buckets, um, uh, segregating those in allowable versus unallowable expenses. Um, and one of the misconceptions with a lot of our contractors is that, okay, well, I've got this certain accounting system and it's DCA approved. Well, that's not necessarily the case. If you have a certain product that, that's commonly used in the GovCon industry, that, that's great. But the system has to be set up and operate uh, in, in a proper manner. So, And to add to that, many of our clients... They're, each contract is unique in the requirements, and some contracts don't require incurred costs. Some require more. They require different areas to be tracked uh, along with the ability to propose on future legs of the contract. So, like I said, it's really important to review each contract. Each you know, Department of Homeland Security might have different requirements than, say, SOCOM, or so it's just really important for them to read and understand each contract. Uh, we, as War Neighbor, we serve over 250 government contractors. And um, another important area we like to, we'd like to have y'all discuss is how y'all serve our clients in regards to DCAA compliance and the agreed upon procedures that are, that are currently um, part of your, your support and advice to our clients. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I can cover that. Uh, thanks, Jessica. So with the compliance with DCAA, they will want to come in and approve your accounting system. And you can't just knock on their door and say, hey, I'm ready for an audit. Come talk to me, approve my accounting system. You know, a lot of contractors, call. you know, they think that's the, the, the way it happens. But once you get educated a little bit, understand what DCA does and who they work for, uh, th those pre-award accounting system audits or reviews, those are going to be requested by the contracting officer. So if you're, if you're proposing on a contract uh, that, that's cost type in nature, um, most likely that contracting officer is going to require DCA to come and look at your system. They want to make sure that you know you're tracking costs adequately in the proper areas, and that you're going to be able to uh, build the government um, in those cost buckets in the proper manner. So it's it, it's a little bit the chicken or the egg. So to to get an approved accounting system, you have to have a cost type contract. You, you know, and you can't get one until you have the cost type contract. So it, it's it, you're kind of in a catch twenty two. Well, what Jessica's mentioning, the agreed upon procedures, we as an audit firm with the GovCon specialization, we can come in and act like the DCA, do a mock DCA audit. So we we take their their programs are public, the SF-1408, which is the system requirement um, checklist that they that they go through. So we have worked with DCA um, through actual accounting system audits with clients. So we're very familiar with the process. So we can come in in a safe environment ahead of time, 
and run through those checklists, run through the system, advise the client on setup, policy, policy and procedures, um, you know, recommend any corrections that need to be made. And then we can actually opine on the system and provide the client a, a report, an audit report that pretty much states what the DCA's report would. Um, and, and that can be used in proposal situations. It can be used if you're a subcontractor to a prime that's being awarded a large cost type contract to give them comfort with your system. Because we get calls on this frequently as well, where a large prime contractor will call a small business. Hey, we want to come look at your system to make sure it's adequate. Well, it's a very competitive thing. You don't you don't want to open your books to other contractors in most cases. So a lot of times they'll accept a audit report from a CPA firm um, covering that adequacy. And we've even had clients come to us, are we ready to go for a cost plus? They want to know before they ever step foot in that door, can we do this? Are we prepared? What do we need to do? You know, what, what infrastructure do we need to change in order to be competitive? So sometimes it's just a comfort letter for the board or you know, ownership. Yeah, and I'll add the sooner that you start thinking about um, an accounting system and having it approved, the better. So, and we can actually do these agreed upon procedures on the design of the system. So it doesn't even have to be operational yet. So we can help on the very front end structure the system, the policies, and actually issue that design adequacy report. And then we can always follow it up with an operational test, um, you know, if needed. So you talk about. Uh, Amber, I want to go back to when you've worked with some of those clients. I know y'all work with a lot of clients kind of throughout the year. What are those top two things that when when they're doing that assessment, that that initial assessment, do I want to get into this? What are the kind of top two things that you usually see that we that they have to correct before they're ready to jump into it? Top two things, definitely. No, that's a good question. Um, policies, policies and procedures. Everybody in your company, your 10, 20 person company knows what you do when XYZ occurs, but you have to have it written down. DCAA is going to want to audit you on that policy. They don't care if everybody knows it by memory. They want to see that. So that is something that a lot of when we come in, a lot of them don't have written policies and we help them or, or we have templates for them. And then the other thing is internal controls. Everyone has access to the check checkbook. Everyone can write a check and, and they DCWA wants to see that control. Um, you know, the, the person who's writing the checks also reconciles the bank account, just those simple things as a small business, everybody's wearing, you know, a thousand hats. And it's really easy to forget that as you grow, you've got to control and they want to see that you're capable of being fiscally responsible. So probably just put some minds at ease because if, if there's, you know, a hundred people listening to this, I bet you half of them said, oh, that's me. Right. And so they, <laughs> they, they need to know they're, they're all in kind of a similar boat. Right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. When you first start, you get your first contract. It might be just you or you and one employee. It, it's not necessary at that time. And then they love what you do. They love the service you provide. They're like, bring me another employee, bring me, build me another widget, whatever. And suddenly you're 10, 15 people and you haven't had time to slow down to even think about infrastructure. So reaching out and talking to your consultant, your firm, Hey, what can I do to prepare for growth? That's really, it, it's a good first step. And Amber, I'll add on to that. Those are great points. The you know the opposite side of that I've seen where a, a new contractor or small business will have you know Googled policy and procedures for a GovCon and they have put something in place and maybe it's a pretty expansive policy and procedure, but you can have the greatest policy and procedure on paper if it's not what's actually happening and in, in your daily operations. That's not good. So DCA certainly wants to see the policy procedure, but also, as Amber mentioned, those being lived out each day. Jared, from a tax side, kind of the same same question. You know, when people are getting into this, what are the what are some of the pitfalls they they find themselves from a tax perspective? Not just R and D, but but any. Just in general tax, yeah. I mean, I think just making sure that you're you know, having conversations early, kind of similar to the accounting system that you understand, you know, how am I going to be taxed? Because a lot of times if it's, especially if it's their first kind of venture into, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, so to speak, and, and doing that, they're they're not 100% clear on the tax. Uh, how am I going to be taxed? Is it on my personal return? Is it a corporate tax expense? And so just planning on that aspect of it, you know, type of entity can matter. So early on having those conversations about what type of entity to structure it as. I know uh, Todd and Amber, there are certain reasons why a lot of our GovCon companies are escorts versus LLCs and, and partnerships. So so those type of things can matter um, when it comes to not just the tax, but also making sure you're setting up properly for DCA purposes and contract rate purposes and all that. So um, that's probably the biggest. The other thing is just, you know, even if you're established business and you've been doing this for a while, the planning aspect of it, right? So just having the conversations throughout the year with your, with your tax advisor on, you know, what am I doing that, that either can reduce taxes or am I doing something that can, can, uh, you know, increase what I'm going to pay in April. And as an example, I know Amber and I have a client that, it's cash basis and, and they've just picked up a big contract. And, and so, you know, it's, it's going to be some money up front that, that might cause some tax burden now versus next year and having those conversations just so they're prepared, right? Just so they don't think, assume that this is not going to be taxable income to me because I'm not started the expenses side of that contract, right? So, so those are the type of things that, that we obviously are wanting to talk to our clients about throughout the year, not just when it comes time to file the tax return. Yeah. And just to add on to that from a political standpoint, a challenge, you know, we talked about challenges earlier for the GovCon industry. The one of the largest challenges at this exact moment is we're under continuing resolution. So um, th- there's not been the uh, annual appropriations bill passed. Uh, so we don't have a budget for fiscal year 2024. So uh, that, that continuing resolution expires November 17th. Um, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we'll have everything uh, worked out by then. But if not, there could be an additional continued resolution. And hopefully the president will sign the appropriations bill, you know, before the end of the calendar year. 
I wanted to add back to the opportunities. Um, you know, as Todd said, none of us want to see a war, but when this happens, it does create opportunities for those here. One of my clients, uh, won a contract to produce something they were producing in Ukraine. The government couldn't live without it. And it was an opportunity we weren't expecting. And of course, unfortunately, it came to us and we were able to take advantage of it. So as a small contractor, they had prepared with their budget and forecasting and were ready to take on unforeseen um, projects. Yeah. And to tie that in, Amber, with Jared's comments on R&D, a lot of times and uncertainty with, with wartime efforts and support to other nations, um, the U.S. has to reallocate or shift funds from R&D expenditure to those types of support efforts. So um, we do see, depending on the type of contractor, what they what they do, whether it's heavy R&D or, uh, you know, support or, or missile defense or things of that nature, we, we hear success stories in certain cases. And then we hear, you know, well, our funding's in hold or, or, you know, it's on, on the chopping block. So, um, yeah, a lot of opportunity, love working with the GovCon industry. Um, you know, we support those who support the warfighter. That's, that's kind of our motto within our, our GovCon industry group. And we strive to, to live that out each day to support them. Uh, here on the wrap, uh, we like to wrap everything up in 60 seconds or less. Uh, what's the one piece of advice you want to leave with business leaders today? I think just to go back and touch on, don't wait until you have to have, you know, one of these compliance requirements solved. So the, the sooner that you can reach out to your advisor, uh, the, the better. It's much easier to put a, a system in place when they're is no system, you know, from scratch. It, it, it is, it's honestly easier to kind of stand it up on the right footing. Uh, so that would be my advice is if you're getting into the GovCon industry, reach out to your advisor and just surround yourself with uh, those that have been through this before and can help you succeed. Amber? Um, probably going to echo Todd a little bit. Uh, yeah, be prepared because opportunities arise quickly and you can't be looking back going, wait, what am I doing? You've got to have, let's hopefully most of your ducks in a row. And also remember your business is unique. So just because Jane or John next door is doing X, Y, Z doesn't mean you can't do something else if it makes sense. No, that does. Jared, how about you? Yeah, Jessica, I would say for, you know, as it relates to the to R&D expenses, 174 R&D tax credits, if you've not dealt with that and you're doing R&D or think you're doing R&D under whether it's internally funded or, or under contract, um, you know, we need to have a conversation and, and talk about what that entails and what, you know, do you have a tax credit out there? Do you have uh, implications that it fall under this 174 provision? And just plan on making sure that, that uh, you know, we handle it correctly on the tax returns. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. Thank you all for lending your expertise to, to this discussion. We appreciate having you here on The Wrap, and uh, we Thanks, look guys. forward to hearing from you all soon. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series, or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenabritt.com forward slash the wrap.